Good morning on this liquid sunshine day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Welcome to First Baptist Sandy Springs. We're here to worship the Lord, so I would ask you to stand as we begin our service singing together.
as you know, uh, well, before that, uh, reconnected with a friend I hadn't seen in a long time this morning. And she said, one of the best things you can do for your mother, she heard, is to go to church on Mother's Day. So congratulations for being in church on Mother's Day. As you know, motherhood's a full-time job, a world-changing job. The quickest way for a mother I've heard to get her children's attention is to sit down and pretend to be comfortable. <laughs> and there they will come. I wonder how many times in our lives, as our kids were little growing up, I gave them the answer that every father has in his toolbox. Ask your mother. Ask your mother. When our son Tyler was born in 1985, we're in the Octibaha County Hospital in Starkville, Mississippi. He's under 24 hours old. Jeannie's in the bed and I'm holding him. And I began to explain to him where babies come from. I'm not making this up, this is true. I tell him the birds and the bees, I give him everything he needs to know. And Jeannie's in the bed looking at me like, what are you doing? And I, Honestly, I said, one day when he asked, I'm going to say, I've already told you once, ask your mother. <laughs> I did. Ask your mother. I wonder how many times in our lives Jeannie said when they came to her or called her across the house, your father's standing right there. If you had that one happen, your dad is right there. He's capable. He's got to, you're agreeing with this right now, aren't you? It, it happens. He's right there had so many wonderful examples. And now any day now, our daughter is going to be a mother. I have no doubt, Ellen, you'll be a great one because you had a great example. I had a great example. Actually, I had three. My mother, Charlene, who died when I was 10. My stepmother, Mary Alice, who came to our house. And my mother-in-law, Dot. I'm going to tell you some stories about mothers I have known. I received a treasure in the mail the other day. My cousin Joe sent me a couple of postcards. This is one of them. And it's written from my mother to her sister, Aunt Frances. They were in Mount Vernon, Georgia at Bruton Parker College where my uncle was a president. It's dated from August the 31st, 1965 my mother to her sister. I turned six years old on August the 30th, 1965 and started school that very day. Dear Frances, Bud took mama home this afternoon and so she felt like she just had to be there for the first of the month. I don't know why as we thought all her business was taken care of before she came down. Her kidney and bladder trouble was better, and she took all the capsules. She doesn't drink enough liquids without them being forced on her. I tried to get her to drink water and tea and juice often. She's looking for you sometimes in September. David had a big birthday and appreciated the card from you so much. I have no idea. I guess I hope there was money in it. I don't know. I don't remember the card. He was a big boy starting to school, Hammond Elementary, right down the road. And he and Tim were on Popeye, Popeye Club, WSB Television Children's Program. Big stuff. Some of you that are natives remember the Popeye Club and Officer Don's Clubhouse and Orville the Dragon and Ooey Gooey and all of that fun stuff. And <laughs> hoping you're fine. Love Charlene and all.
There is a love that is special. And we've all seen it in one way or another from someone special to us. Let me share with you some examples. I'll start with a mother-to-be. Ellen, you did, I didn't know you were going to be here, and you didn't know I was going to pick on you, but here we go. <laughs> They're due soon. If this church had an elevator, I would not get on it with her if I were you. <laughs> Over the last eight and a half months, Ellen has taken wonderful care of herself. She stopped eating deli meat. Deli meat. Men could not have children. We could not stop eating deli meat. And she stopped eating seafood. Seafood. And she stopped drinking pretty much anything but water because of the baby. The baby she's never yet met yet. She wants her, it's a little girl, to have a great healthy start. Ellen has put her own desires on the back burner for a little one that she has never met. There is a love that the world needs to put yourself on the back burner for somebody you don't even know. Philippians 2, 3 puts it this way. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves what you've done and this isn't just for mothers and mothers to be it's for every one of us in here breathing do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility regard others as better than yourself how can you apply this we all should and think what a different world this would be if we all lived according to the words of Philippians 2 3 our daughter-in-law, Stephanie, is also um, very special to us. She's a great mother to our grandchildren, Jackson, who'll be six this week, and Annabelle, who's three. Our daughter, granddaughter, Annabelle, is fearless and a little handful, and that might be a kind way to say it. We received this picture. Jeannie got this text yesterday. It is their dog, Chloe, with the remnants of Oreo cookies. The remnants of the cookies, the outside part, were found deep down in the sofa. <laughs> Annabelle has figured out you can lick out the creamy part, and to get to another creamy part without eating the cookie, just shove them in the sofa and keep going. How many were in the sofa? I don't know. The dog appreciates it. What's a mother to do? Stephanie, I'm sure, had a talk with Annabelle and tried to reason with a three-year-old. Good luck with that. There is a love that allows cookies to be shoved in a sofa. That's a lot of love. It was hard to find just the right Bible verse for this, but I think Matthew gives us a perfect example in the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Mothers have to be merciful, don't they? 
Oh my, how merciful they have to be. One Sunday at my first church I pastored in Mississippi, I asked people to stand up and tell something about their mama. They remembered their mama saying, and Frank Phillips stood up and he said, my mama said, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> Jeannie, didn't he? He did. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. How can you apply this? All of us, how can we apply this? As a child, growing up catty corner here, right across the street, there was plenty of mercy for all five of us, but there was justice as well at times, deservedly so. In our backyard at the corner of Mount Vernon and Glen Ridge, mostly on the Glen Ridge side, there was a botanical marvel. I don't know the Latin name of it. We called it a switch bush. Did anybody have a switch bush growing up? Look at all the child abuse. <laughs> On occasion, we were sent to the bush to pick our own instrument of torture. We would go get the switch and bring it in, and it was legal back then to do that. <laughs> it, too, is biblical. Sorry, but... It is, and maybe not used as much as it should. Anyway, Proverbs 3.12 says this, and it is true. For the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father the son in whom he delights or a mother in the child whom she delights. We are to be reproved. You see, there's a love that establishes a pecking order in a household, doesn't it? The parents belong here, the children somewhere down there, if it's done correctly. There's a love that must right wrongs. There's a love that corrects and guides. I am thankful that I received such love, very thankful. How can we apply this today? Jeannie and I will celebrate our 36th anniversary day after tomorrow. 36 years. I imagine that applause is for you. I cannot begin to tell you how blessed Taylor and Ellen are to have had her and to have her as a mother. She has been their nurse and their advisor, their maid and their teacher, their cheerleader and their example, their accountant and their guardian and their taxi driver, and I haven't scratched the surface. From infants to adults, Taylor and Ellen have seen that there is a love that grows and that continues to grow year after year after year and forever. For that, you expect me to use a scripture like 1 Corinthians 13, don't you? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant, proud. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And we've all seen it and experienced it. And it changes the world. There is a love that 
we should all apply. So after mom died, who I have the postcard from, my stepmother, Mary Alice, moved from rural Mississippi to Atlanta, Georgia. She went from having zero children to five, ages 11, 14, 17, 20, and 23. Not sure if she thought the I do through, but that's what she ended up with. She went from solitude to a parsonage. And through it all, she excelled. There are friends in this room that after church on Sunday, I would say, you want to go eat? And Sure. And we would just drag another one to the table. And it was always okay. She always went out of her way. I thought about her, there is a love that is willing to change course. There's a love willing to give up their own plans for someone else. Remember these beautiful words spoken by a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law, Ruth to Naomi. Ruth 1, 16 and 17, you hear this at weddings a lot. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried and may the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. I have seen a love that does that. So how can we apply this in our lives? My mother-in-law went to heaven about 14 months ago. Is that right? She joins my mother and my stepmother already there. Dot was a social butterfly. James Earl, is that right? Her favorite son is here. She knew everyone and she knew their business. In her, I'm telling you the truth. In her last year, or so, she went to live in an assisted living home in Starkville, Mississippi, called the Claiborne. If you recall a few years ago, we took up some supplies for tornado victims in Mississippi, and I took them to Mississippi to deliver them there. So on the way there, I stopped in Starkville and went to the Claiborne, and she didn't know I was coming. And I walked into the lobby and I was going to the desk to find out what room she was in so I could go find her. But I never made it to the desk because I heard her talking. So I peeked around a corner and there in a gathering room at the Claiborne, there was a crowd of 40, 50 people and she had the podium and she had a microphone. <laughs> And she was doing Bible study that day. And so I went and sat in a little chair out of the way so she couldn't see me. And when she was done and the crowd dispersed, I went to surprise her and she was surprised. She asked me how long I'd been sitting there. I said, actually, I got here right after you started speaking about six hours ago. <laughs> that was ministerial exaggeration. There is a love that is willing to stand up, and she did. Matthew puts it this way in chapter 10, verse 32. 
Whoever shall confess me before men, Jesus said, him I'll confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And I saw my mother-in-law do that that day, and I'll never forget it. How can you apply this? All of us can. There's a love that stands up. I've had so many good examples on our prayer list, and I didn't mention him today, but if you've been here for a while, you know the name Captain Matt Savage. We've prayed for Matt since his motorcycle hit an 18-wheeler July the 3rd of last year. A month in Birmingham in the hospital, eight months here at the Shepherd Center in rehab there by Piedmont Hospital. And his mother, Christy, was with him from the day of the accident a month in Birmingham, and then she moved in with Jeannie and I and stayed with us for eight months while Matt was here. She drove every day from Sandy Springs to Piedmont Hospital. Would you like to do that? I would not like to do that. She's from small town Mississippi, and she did it every day. She put her life on hold so she could take care of her son. There is a love that endures no matter what. No matter what, I will be there. That's a love this world needs. Hebrews 13, 16 perfectly tells us how we ought to be. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I think as much as Christy ministered to Matt, she ministered to God for being willing to put her life on hold. How can you apply that? You remember a place in history called Heartbreak Ridge, not the Clint Eastwood movie, but it was actually a place, a battle in Korea in September, October 1951. An American soldier was inching his way towards North Korean camp lines and was shot and badly injured, and there he was injured in no man's land. He began screaming for help, but nobody could safely get to him time passed and the soldier just begged someone to come get him. Both sides knew that if anyone tried to help, they would be easy pickings for the enemy. So one young American soldier was in a foxhole and he kept looking at his watch. Looking at his watch. Looking at his watch. Just all he could do. Finally, he got up, ran from his foxhole, grabbed the soldier, and pulled him back to safely, bullets flying all around, and he returned unscathed, saving the injured soldier. It was a brave thing to do and a foolish thing to do. Not long after, his sergeant came to the hero and demanded an explanation for such a boneheaded move. The soldier explained that he was looking at his watch until he knew it was nine o'clock in the morning in Kansas. And the sergeant said, what's the deal? The soldier said, my mother promised she would pray for me every morning at nine o'clock. And I knew she'd be praying for me. And that's why I did it. Godly mothers change the world. Godly principles change the world. Mothers just can't be the ones targeted. They all of us have to be targeted to have that kind of a love. We need to know that of all the stories we'll ever hear about how wonderful mothers can be, God loves us more. 
That's hard to fathom. Think about this. Your mother does not know everything you've ever done. (laughs) Thank you. And your mother does not know everything you ever thought. God does everything. And he loves you more. Do you know that? Have you accepted that? We should leave this place today a thankful people. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for those that do not neglect to do good. Thank you, Father, for those that confess you before men. Thank you, Father, for those that are willing to be displaced, that where their loved ones go, they will go. Thank you that love is patient and kind, not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Thank you it doesn't insist its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It will not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Thank you for the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Thank you for love that reproves the ones that love. Thank you for the merciful that will obtain mercy. Thank you for those that have done nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than themselves. Thank you for the principles you've set before us in your word and for how it has been modeled in many of our lives through mothers, aunts, grandmothers, neighbors, friends. Help each of us to know that kind of love. Help us to celebrate your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, happy day. I hope this is the best of days for you and your families.